welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 160. My name is John Morgan in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Beautiful, historic, incredible, amazing. <sighs> no, not really. It's Atlantic City, New Jersey. We'll get into that in just a little bit because this is a unique place. There's no question about it. But before we do that, let me just say I apologize to you. I'm throwing out the apologies right away because we didn't do 159 and a half. Even though I had cold coffee with me, even though we should have been able to to do that, USC on Fox 29, Poirier versus Gaethje, incredible fight card, incredible main event. Fight of the year so far, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. And we were together. It was a Fox show on the West Coast. Everything was getting over early. Myself and Cold Coffee had all the plans in the world to get together for an and a half. We had Jose Youngs with us from Sports Illustrated and Fan Sided, who, of course, did episode number 159 with us. Enjoyed hanging out with him. He took care of us. He's a, uh, a, a Phoenix local there, lives downtown. Took care of us all week long. Put, you know, showed us the right places to go go dine at. Showed us the right places to go get some cocktails. Uh, even hooked us up with a ride here and there with this cameraman that was willing to, to to show us around. So I mean, Jose Youngs hooked it up and uh, thought we'd get together for an and a half. It just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. I'm telling you what, I was I was bummed about it because I had a lot to talk about. I thought that card was fantastic, but the reality was. 14 fights. Whew. 14 fights is long. 14 fights is long. And I, I had heard that the USC actually, you know, explored the idea of kind of shipping some fights off and trying to get them to another another car, but it just didn't work out right. And, of course, I mean, hell, the week before, you know, 13 fights went to nine real quick. So you don't want to be too quick to make changes and, and, and uh you know, give yourself a little bit of insurance in the back, but didn't happen. And we ended up with 14 fights. It was a long damn day. It was a long damn day. We showed up at the arena at about, I want to say 10 o'clock in the morning for an 11 o'clock opening, uh, doors open, I should say. And, you know, we didn't leave until after 10 p.m. So 12 hours at the arena already, not to mention the transportation both ways, not to mention at that time we hadn't had any dinner. And we had an early flight to catch out the next day. So by the time we got back to the to the house, uh, to the Airbnb that we had rented there in Phoenix, my man Cole Coffee was just done. He was done. And I thought about jumping in solo and just sitting down and knocking out something myself. But, you know, it probably wasn't going to be edited until the afternoon. And so I thought about the delay. And then I'll just be honest. Then I was like, I could actually use a couple hours of sleep myself. So I was bummed. I was bummed that there was no and a half last week. But, uh, man, reality of the day was 14 fights is, is too damn long. It's too damn long. And here's the other thing, too. I, I The rest of our I – didn't, I didn't realize, actually, after the fights were over, <laughs> my fault. I didn't pay attention to the work schedule. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Dan Stupp. Sorry, Mr. Matt Erickson. Sorry, Mr. Simon Simano, the other editors on staff. I was actually the editor on duty after the fights were over that night, so I actually had to kind of edit and go through and – um, some of the stuff that the young Mike Bond was handling up, some of the stuff that the the magnificent Morocco was handling up. I had to I had to go through and actually edit that, so I had editing duties to do too. So work duties called. Yeah, it was just a bad combination of things. So I I, I do apologize for that, but 
I never like to spend too much time talking about a card that's a week old at, at this point as we sit down as we always do on Thursday night to record the MMA Road Show. You know, it's it, it's a it's a it's a whole new week. We moved on. So I never like to spend too much time talking about old cards, but I do want to say Dustin Poirier, man, incredible performance and just engaging incredible performance as well. I mean, that fight lived up to everything that we thought it would be. That is a fight of the year candidate and I love when fights live up to everything you want to be. You hype them up, you believe in them. And and they deliver. And I know this wasn't the type of fight that, you know, uh, casual fans probably realize the importance to, talked about rankings, things like that. But, I mean, come on. If you're an MMA fan, you knew you couldn't miss this fight. And then for it to deliver on all the expectations, all the hype, all the excitement that you had, I mean, that is what's up. That's that's what's up. And two two really good guys. And, and I got to say, you know, Dustin Poirier, had kind of teased going into that fight that he that he thought a, a big win might mean a title shot. And I thought, well, maybe, but, you know, there's a lot going on there, right? There's a lot going on. But I got to say, you know, after he wins that fight, after he goes in and just digs deep, survives some trouble, you know, deals with all the, 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 the attacks from, from – from Gaethje, the leg kicks that you know are coming, and then comes back, hits that counter left, and and ends the fight. And then, you know, as he walks by press row, I had the little, I had the camera phone rolling, and he's like, you know, MMA junkie, I love this shit. I'm coming. I'm gonna win the title this year. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing, man. That emotion's amazing. I love that. You know, it reminded me of, of 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 Holloway. You know, talking about the big game he wanted, and you know, when he when he left after. I mean, just I love that stuff when you can catch that raw excitement, that raw emotion. Uh, as they walk by press row, and I love fighters taking the time to to, to give us a message at MMA Junkie and give us a little shout out to give us that kind of quick exclusive before they even make it back to Fox, you know, before they're on TV to to kind of give us that instant reaction. I love that. I love that. And, and Dustin Poirier did that, so that was awesome. But then, you know, gets back there to the back. He uh, he came back on crutches. Of course, the leg was the leg was bad. The knee, the right knee, was bad. And um, he came back on crutches. It, it, you know, he, he was able to walk a little bit, but the crutches helped him out for sure. And he sat down in a chair. You know, uh, UFC PR told us, hey, listen, Dustin needs a chair, so if you want to adjust your cameras, all that, get it ready, um, he's going to need to sit down. So, you know, obviously understandable after you fight Justin Gaethje. He sat down and, and gave us just a bunch of great answers. I'm sure by now you, you've, you've, you've seen some of the clips and you've seen um, the interview or whatever, but just gave him some great answers talking about what happened, you know, about the eye pokes, about, you know, knowing the, the counter left was going to be there, everything that happened. And then the the other moment that will just stick with me is that last answer. It's the, it's the answer that we put up on social media and it blew up, you know, where basically I just said, hey, listen, you know, I know you want this Habib fight. I know you want this Habib fight. I know you want it bad. But if for some reason this doesn't make sense, if some reason it doesn't work out, you know, is there anything else that makes sense? Are there other fights that make sense? And basically all I was trying to do was give him an opportunity to kind of, you know, maybe set up something else, a backup plan, a B plan, if you will. And the answer that Dustin Poirier gave was absolutely incredible. He said, listen, I, I don't have anything else I want. You know, I'm not trying to get a rematch with Eddie Alvarez. I'm not trying to get a rematch with Conor McGregor. I'm not trying to catch up with these people. You know, I'm trying to win gold, and, and and I'm trying to be the best in the world. And and then he shared that story. You know, he's like, you know, me and my girl, my, my wife, you know, back when we were just dating, you know, she drove me to weigh-ins. I didn't even have a car. She drove me there, and we slept in these, you know, broken-down motels. You know, she was there to support me, and now I'm at the top. 
and I want to I want to win this fight so that I can go to bed one night with that belt around my waist and, and say we did it and say that we did it and I'm telling you right now man I'm I'm getting choked up just talking about it right now now maybe it's because I've had an award-winning you know frosty beverage or two along the way but it's it's emotional it strikes up emotions in me even now and I mean who doesn't want that you know to 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 thank those that stood beside them and 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 just say listen man I delivered on everything I promised I would deliver on you know and 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 this is for us you know this is for our family as anybody can tell you with kids and that family unit man it's tough and uh I thought it was beautiful man I thought it was really beautiful And, and to be honest with you I feel like it was something I needed to see I feel like it was something I needed to see. I left Brooklyn disgusted, man. Disgust. It was just such a weird weekend. I think everybody left disgusted. Just the way everything played out, it just felt like, my God, you know, this is that. <laughs> this is where we've been going. This is the direction we've been driving. This is the, let's sell the conflict. Let's. And I get, grudge matches mean something, man. Hate means something in this sport, you know. Two, two rivals going at it means something in the sport. But let's not forget the other part, too. Let's not forget the other part, too. Dustin Poirier uh, just epitomizes. That speech epitomized to me what is great about this sport. What I fell in love with this sport to be I fell in love with this sport not because I cared about two people that hated each other. Not because I cared about a grudge match being settled. Does that mean along the way I haven't partaken in, in enjoying a few of them? Of course I have. But I fell in love with this sport because I feel like the people that do it are incredible athletes and incredible human beings. And I think the sacrifices that they make as athletes, the sacrifices that they make as people, is what makes them incredibly special. And it's the reason that I wanted to tell their stories. It's the reason that I wanted to be a mixed martial arts journalist and and. and and let people, let the world see who these people are and what they go through and what they do to go out there and do what most of us will never, ever, ever have the balls to do, which is lock yourself in a cage with another human being. I know it's a sport. I know it's a sport. But it's scary as hell. When Donald Cerrone, the cowboy, will tell you that he gets scared to death and he, and he pukes and he wonders, why in the hell am I doing this for a living? Why in the hell? That goes to show you that, yes, it's an amazing sport, but it's not just a sport. There's something special about it. There's something very, very special about it. And I'm not trying to sit here and be all high and mighty and glamorous or whatever. I mean, listen, I, I love the page views we get from the Conor McGregor stories. I love it. And I love Conor McGregor. I'm not just – I'm not – insulting him. I'm not trying to take away everything he built, man. He has been a masterful salesman. You know, Chael Sonnen, I mean, look at everything he did. I mean, hell, Tito Ortiz, if you want to go. I mean, you, you, you can't take away from it. That helps get eyeballs on the sport, and that's all important. But we can't forget. We can't forget about the other side, too. And it's not just about sales. It's not just about creating a spectacle. It's about people remembering what this is about. And so, you know what? Get, Dustin Poirier, let him have that title shot. I believe that right now. Let him have that title shot. I love it. I I, I love the idea. I Strike while the iron is hot. No offense to Eddie Alvarez. I know Eddie Alvarez believes that he deserves it, but he was sitting out. He was sitting out, and Poirier is kind of the, 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 the hot one right now, right? I mean, he came off that strike while the iron is hot. Eddie Alvarez can take the next shot. He can take the next shot because Tony Ferguson's out. There's no question, man. We saw the picture. It is not pretty with those staples. I mean, listen, he is the Wolverine, and he's going to be back. 
and he's going to he's going to be better than ever. I have no question about it and I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be a while. And Conor McGregor is going to be out for a while. I I do believe that. He's got the June court date. I, you know, I think there's going to be some issues. I, I don't think again, I don't think he's doing jail time. I don't think like that, but you know, there's still internal issues that are being worked through. I know everybody's being kind of quiet about it right now, but um, you know, it's not over. It's not over with yet. So there's things that need to be dealt with. In the meantime, I say give Dustin Poirier that that fight with a beat Nurmagomedov. made off. I, I love that idea for a title shot, and I, and I hope it happens. I really do hope it happens, and I hope people realize that you know there's another way to to market this sport and to think about this sport and to sell about sport. Trust me, those those human moments are are, are never going to get as many eyeballs and as many clicks as Conor McGregor throwing a dolly through a window. It's just the way the world works. It's not going to happen. But when people talk about their favorite fighters, who they cheer for, who they pull for, I think the human element is a huge part of it. I really, really do. I feel like that is a massive part of why people cheer for certain fighters. And then once they're in there, yeah, then we like the fighting. You know, then we like the fighting. But, you know, when I, when I listen to fans talk, when I read forums, when I, when I listen to other podcasts, when I, when I listen to interviews, whatever – I mean, people aren't in here. Of course, there's the specialists that break down techniques, but that's not the majority of what people are talking about. It's the emotions, it's the stories, it's everything involved. And when people like Dustin Poirier turn into a performance like that, and then have the emotions they have, and then and then and then you know bear their soul with with the truth of who they are and what they've overcome to get here, man. I just I think you got to reward that, man. I think you got to reward that, and uh, that'll be my lasting take. From, from UFC on Fox 29 in uh, Glendale, Arizona. So I apologize that we couldn't do an and a half. But that's what I would have told you. That's for sure. You know what else I would have told you? I would have told you that the MMA Roadshow is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And you know you need life insurance, especially if you've got a family like Dustin Poirier. So go to healthiq.com slash Road for the road show, of course, to support the show and get your free quote. It's all about better science. If Cole Coffee was here, he'd tell you that. Health IQ spent years gathering the science and data to prove that health conscious deserve lower rates. Over a million people took their health IQ quiz and formed the basis for the scientific analysis of the relationship between health and health knowledge. They took all the years' data and science on the health conscious to the top carriers and partnered with them to get the lowest rates on life insurance. For the health conscious. Bottom line, you reach out, they take you on a journey, learning about your lifestyle and your choices. It's like getting good driver rates. If you're not in accidents, your car insurance should drop, damn it. So if you're healthy, if you're not sitting around on a Thursday night drinking award-winning PBRs, talking about MMA after a 14-hour work shift because you take care of yourself like you should, then you need to reach out to healthiq.com. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash road or mention the promo code ROAD when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Mm, look at that ad read. Just killing it. <laughs> All right, listen, a uh, lot to talk about here in Atlantic City. I am rolling solo here in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and I want to set that all up for you very quickly. But before I do... Do want to circle in my man, Cole Coffee, even though he's not here with me right now. He is back home. Uh, he was in Arizona, so I want to kind of give him a chance to weigh in on what his thoughts were uh, from all the action in Glendale, Arizona. 
Uh, I know he was exhausted. It was a busy damn week. And on the heels of Brooklyn and then that 14 fights, good Lord, I know he was done. Uh, also, interestingly, he's been – Cutting interviews, we had a chance. I think we mentioned a few a few months back or whatever, but we had a chance to sit down with all the cast members uh, from the Ultimate Fighter 27 in the house right after they got in the house as the competition was starting, and we interviewed all of them. And we're rolling those out this week. You'll see those on, on MMA Junkie, just some quick little previews or whatever, and then we'll replay them along, along the way. Uh, listen, I know a lot of people say the Ultimate Fighters played out. I get it, man, if that's you. Cool, fair enough. I, I understand, uh, but uh, to me, I you know I still enjoy the show. I, I still uh, do like the idea of guys working their way into the UFC, and I, I like the idea of this all undefeated people uh, making their way into the UFC. Uh, and, and to me, there's some talented guys that I had had on my on my prospect radar to begin with. So I'm pretty fired about the season. I'll definitely be watching. But uh, so I figured I'd just swing it out to cold coffee in Las Vegas, give him a few chance, you know, a few moments to, uh, to weigh in on uh, anything that, that, that caught his fancy in Arizona, as well as maybe uh, a name or two that he feels like you might should watch out for while you're watching the ultimate fighter 27. What's up guys. Cold coffee here and just hopping in to give you my thoughts. Looking back on Arizona. Thanks for the, uh, the toss, John. You know, Arizona, it was uh that was quite quite an ordeal. There were some really, really intense fights that went on and uh again, like normal, I was stuck in the back. So I'll give you the highlights from what I saw in the back. A quick uh list of things that happened in the back. Uh for dessert there were bugs by the cookies. There were flies. Um, but the the cookies were good. If you got the ones that weren't covered in bugs, the peanut butter ones and the oatmeal raisins were especially tasty. The highlight of the menu, because I know this is what you guys really care about, in the back room um, was the smoked Gouda mashed potatoes. They were uh, awesome. And there was like a little meatloaf that kind of went with it. Uh, I think there was a chicken or turkey too. But um, really for me, the uh, the star of the night wasn't uh, Justin Gagey or uh, Dustin Poirier. It was the smoked Gouda mashed potatoes. Thanks for listening. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, some other things that stand in the back. Uh, the back. I know John talked about Dustin Poirier. Other gay guys that uh, stood out for me. Uh, John Moraga um, was very, very excited, and it was interesting to hear from a guy that was so pumped up by Phoenix. I mean, the guy lives and breathes Phoenix. I mean, he's got it tattooed on his back, but he talked of you know how the crowd sort of just mood them you know a lot of these guys they go in they're so laser focused but i asked him if if the crowd kind of pumped him up if he could if there was a point where he actually heard the crowd kind of cheering for him and you know what it did for him and and he did let, let us know that you know kind of there was a moment where he kind of just let himself embrace it you know and he kind of got swept up in it and he kind of just let this roar out you know to kind of just channel all that energy and like we saw you know it was a Wonderful performance. Uh, Duda came in to the back and had a huge bandage on his head and literally, like, gashed out <laughs> a part of his forehead. You know, I asked, I was like, you know, how many stitches did it take? And he's like, well, I can't stitch it. It's just like a hole in his head. So at some point, you know, he went up against the fence and it, uh, you know, tore a chunk out of his forehead. So uh, hopefully, you know, uh, that will heal up nicely for him and not leave him a too scarred. Yeah, I can only imagine, you know, uh, his head looked pretty, pretty discolored uh, around where this bandage and it was probably a good uh, three inch by maybe two inch bandage that was covering a large section of his forehead. So uh, it was interesting, to, you know, to kind of see that, you know, and he was taken in stride. Uh, 
and uh, you know he gave a great interview so that's on the YouTube channel if you guys want to go back and look at it um, other ones that jumped out just a couple more post fight ones um, Michelle Watterson I thought it was a wonderful performance and you know she she fought and out strategized the bigger stronger fighter and uh, you know hearing her talk about it and just so calm and collected and I thought she was great earlier in the week when she kind of referenced and was talking a little about about uh, the Connor outburst and you know what that sort of meant to people affected by it and I, she just showed this smart uh, well thought side that I think we forget a lot of times you know I think a lot of people look at these fighters and they think of them only as entertainers and they you know these these super fit athletes and you know a lot of times I think we forget how smart uh, these people are you know and I don't know maybe it's just because it's Michelle I mean by the end of her, her speech I was like mesmerized you know um, just listening to her talk and break down the thought process and what they needed to do um, to beat Courtney and uh, it was incredible um, you know I think it, it part of it goes too with that that fight camp that they're at I mean just a bunch of smart individuals that are probably some of the best strategists in the game when it comes to breaking down an opponent and really looking as to what you need to do to win so um, always good to get her in the back she was in great spirits um, and just listening to her break it down I was just I was just in awe of uh, you know the performance that they put on and man she is one smart cookie uh and then finally uh the last one that really i guess i was just sort of happy for and uh you know kind of gave us a little highlight of the night was when brad tavares came back um i was happy to see him get a uh finish you know he's had some uh, decisions the last few times around so it was good for him to get a a decision uh i'm sorry a finish a definitive finish and uh, a really good looking one um you know, Brad being here from Vegas, we see him all the time. He's always been really good with his time. So, um, again, he gave us a great interview earlier in the week. And, you know, we never pull favorites, but, you know, when fighters take the time to really, you know, go above and beyond to give us interviews, you know, when they could easily say no and, and you know, just worry about their fight, I always appreciate it. You know, and part of you is like, oh, I hope he does well. Um, not that you're ever really trying to pull for someone to win or lose. But you you tend to hope for fighters to do well, you know, when they when they really make your job a lot easier. And uh, so I thought I, I thought he had a great performance. And one of the highlights of when he was backstage, you know, I asked him, you know, if he had had a chance to, uh, you know, if he gotten any response from the Bisping call out that he gave post fight. And he said, it's funny enough, you know, you guys don't know this, you know, but I went into the green room and talked to Bisping and, <laughs> and he, you know, said how he wanted to have the fight or whatever, you know, he said Bisping was polite enough. Then he was like, get the fuck out of here <laughs> in typical Bisping fashion, as you would think. So uh, I thought that was fun uh, to, uh, to hear that. I mean, there were a lot of other great interviews that people did, but those are a few of the ones that stood out for me. But what also happened that night, which never really gets to happen, um, uh, we actually, a few of us videographers in the back, even though ticket sales for the most part were pretty good. I mean, it looked good once we got out there, but um, we were given tickets to be able to go sit in the auxiliary seating at one point during the night. And uh, I think right before the main, we finally got to a point where we could kind of put down and, and got the work that we normally do. Um, typically as the fight's going on, you know, we get the post-fight interviews and I'm cutting them, 
you know, I'm, I'm working, I'm watching the fights if, as I can and cutting it videos. So pretty much working nonstop, but we got to a point where it was at a good stopping point, but we were able to go out into the crowd, um, in the sort of the mid level, uh, bowl area. Um, and got to watch the fight of Justin Gagey and Dustin Poirier. And, uh, it was awesome. It was great to kind of get, um, you know, swept up a little bit in the crowd atmosphere um it sucks because the seats were kind of narrow that's just because i have giant legs with a giant ass that uh sometimes makes it tough to fit in these skinny ass seats that a lot of these venues have you know when they try to put a ton of people in so uh uh that was fun but uh it was awesome always awesome to get into the arena and uh get kind of caught up in the emotion um so we got to, to watch that almost immediately since we had to take a little bit of a hike to get to the seats, you know, immediately as uh, they were going in and stopping the fight after after Dustin got those last significant strikes and um, and uh, they were going in to stop it. We we're pretty much up of our out of our seats and already making our way back to the, the media room so we can get down in time to get the, the post fight interview. Uh, with the last final winners, but uh, it was a great night. It was a good, good night. So, um, again, John touched upon something else I've been kind of working on this week. You know, before we had, um, before this tough season had started, you know, the new Tough 27 season, which just aired um, last night, uh, we went to the Tough House and did some tough interviews. So today, in the past few days, or the past couple of days, I've been processing some of those interviews Um that will be rolling now and actually a couple of them i think came out today and we'll have a couple more coming out tomorrow from the fighters that are going on tomorrow but um good bunch of cast i mean it doesn't seem like initially on uh face value that we're going to get a lot of drama like we've seen in in past seasons i think that could be a good thing but um you know i'm sure the tv producers are hoping for a little bit of drama i know that the show uh some of the ratings at times have declined over seasons and then had spikes for certain reasons and again with this season trying to do the undefeated trying to put you know a, another little spin on the show uh to try to create a little more uh, interest in it i mean let's be real the way they do the show I mean, it's a great formula it works uh it's not like they need to now start shooting the show in 3d with crazy noir lighting and dark backdrops and everything well, that's not gonna that's not gonna change it fix it you know i want to i'm not i have i'm not opposed to the format you know i i wouldn't say that there's anything particularly wrong with it i just think as with anything you know if there's just something over and over and over and over uh interest can wane a little bit but uh characters are always something that keeps you interested and there's definitely some characters to kind of keep in mind that i think you're going to either you know people are going to love them uh, i don't know about hate them because there's nobody that i've seen so far um i think people are going to just really hate there's a couple i think it would probably push the line but a couple guys that uh a few off the top that i think people will be drawn to either by just you know uh wanting to see them get beat up or just like is this guy for real um my top three guys to really pay attention when it comes to that that is uh, dulani perry um the dulani i believe he's the karate god perry or something along those lines um this guy he's a he's a self-proclaimed fashionista you know he likes to 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 bring it from the uh, you know, the, the the walkways of fashion as well as the streets. When you see him in one of these interviews, he has this nice flashy jacket, but then he's got his like 
wool uh, winter cap that, you know, you always see all the hipsters wear um, uh, during the summer when you're like, how are you wearing that hat? You're crazy. You know, so uh, he, he combines it. He pulls it off. He pulls it off. Um, so Delani Perry, I think, is one of the guys, and he's one of the guys that showed up at the uh, rehearsal and had two girls already with him. So as we're doing an interview, he, he's like, can I have my girls in it? You know, so he had the two girls off to the sides during the interview. So uh, <laughs> I knew there was something with this guy. So I'm interested to see uh, how his uh, personality plays out this season. Um, another guy that I think a lot of people are either just going to – uh, dig what he what he's bringing, or they're just going to be annoyed to all get out. And that's Tylen Clark. Uh, this is a guy that uh, I want to say he's. I think he said he was from Wichita, Kansas, and uh, but speaks like he's from you know somewhere Southside L.A. or something. You know, he's uh, an interesting individual. And I'm, I apologize if I got his his hometown wrong, but. Uh, He's another guy that, you know, feels that he can be a guy like Conor McGregor that can be packing arenas and, uh, you know, bring in the crowds. And his whole thing is, you know, he's like, you know, he wants to get through the show. He knows the show can put a lot of wear and tear on the body. So he's not trying to go out there and get the crazy finishes during the show. He's just trying to win and make it through. But then he's like, you know, once I start getting that UFC cash, Dana, then I'll show you. Then I'll show you, you know, so pay for the finishes. So uh, interesting character. But, uh, you know, it's got some strong claims to say that you're going to be bringing it like uh, 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 Conor McGregor. You know, I think anytime you start saying something like that, and if he does say it, in fact, on the show, I think that's the kind of stuff you're going to get a lot of people really uh, jumping on him, you know, about every little thing that he does. So I hope he performs well, you know, because there's some bold bold claims. Um, and then there is Luis Pena, the violent Bob Ross. You know, when you see him with his flowing hair and big bushy beard. And it's funny, he's like, everybody likes to say that's because of the hair. You know why people call me Bob Ross? But he says it's, it's because his fighting is like Bob's. Uh, painting. It's like cool, calm, and collected. Yeah, man. Just some happy little KOs, you know, in a happy little submission. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> no, but he's an interesting guy, Louis Pena. So another guy to kind of watch out for. Um, and I don't want to make this too long. I got to hop it back over to John here in a second. But another couple guys I think to watch is a couple SBG guys, Richie Smolin and Brad Katona. Brad Katona is the guy that's good, uh, already been slotted to fight on next, next week's uh, episode. So uh, he's like the quiet, reserved guy with the glasses, you know, that played chess with his father and doesn't have a lot of, you know, free time or doesn't do a lot in his free time. You know, pretty much picked up his life and, and moved to Dublin, Ireland to train. So Anybody that's willing to do a lot of that uh, and go that far in is uh, is definitely something you got to watch out for. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, uh, Southern kid from Arkansas or Arkansas, if you will, um, talked about you know how he used to do a lot of backyard brawls and barbecue, which uh, you had me at barbecue. Uh, he's an interesting character with a southern draw, you know, but he looks like he could be placed in, in California and be, a, you know, uh, somebody in Uriah Faber's camp and would fit perfectly. Um, so I'm hoping this kid kind of pans out. You know, I, I dig I dig uh, his story and, uh, and hope he does well. Uh, there's Mike Trezano. He says he's a lone wolf going in there to feast on the flesh of his opponents. Just just imagine that, feasting. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, interesting characters. And then the final couple guys that I think you saw uh, at the end of the last episode that were really chatting. Uh, sort of even though it was more like DC setting it up. And I kind of feel bad for uh, Suman Mokhtarian, uh, whose brother fights in the UC. But uh, uh, DC kind of threw him under the bus uh, with Tyler uh, Diamond. He didn't really even say anything. But somehow it kind of gets seen that at the end like uh, that Tyler thinks Suman was uh, uh, calling him out, which he actually wasn't. But in the creative way that editing works and how random shit gets started. There might be some beef that uh, we're just going to have to blame on DC later on. So there's a few names for you guys to kind of check out with Top 27. Um, we're going to be having interviews rolling out uh, throughout the next week. And then uh, we'll bring them back out again um, when the guys have their fights coming on. So uh, that should be good. So uh, look for all that good stuff. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy that Tough 27 stuff. But before I let you guys go, and before I toss it back to John, do you guys wear contact lenses? You know, I know a lot of people that wear contact lenses, but if you wear contact lenses and find yourself dreading that annual appointment to renew your prescription, then you're going to love Simple Contacts. It's a great new company that makes this annoying process very well simple. Simple Contacts lets you renew your expired contact lens prescription and reorder your brands of lenses from your phone or computer in minutes. Simple Contacts brings the doctor's office to wherever you are, where, whenever you need it. You can take the Simple Contacts vision test online in five minutes. A real doctor reviews it and renews your prescription. You save time, you save money, and you save yourself a headache. And if you have an unexpired prescription, just upload a photo of it to your and your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. This is vision care for the 21st century. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses and the prices are unbeatable. The prescription is just $20. Compare that with an annual appointment, which can be up to $250 without insurance. They have some of the best prices on contacts and shipping is free. Best of all, our listeners get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order. To save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com road or enter the code ROAD at checkout. I want to mention that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Go get your health exam, folks. You'll still need those occasionally, but is the mo this is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com ROAD or just enter ROAD at checkout. Give it a try and thank us later. Thanks a bunch, guys. I'm going to put you back over to John, so have a good day, guys. All right, so there you go. The man, Cold Coffee, holding it down like only he can do, bringing you that inside knowledge like only he can do. Just being Cold Coffee like only he can be. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about USC Fight Night 128 in Atlantic City. First of all, let's talk about Atlantic City. Uh, if you've never been to Atlantic City, New Jersey, um, I, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude. I know I'm a West Coast guy. I'm a Vegas guy. And I know this, you know, has a, a special place in a lot of people's hearts. But, uh, I mean, let's just be honest. Atlantic City is a little bit of a ghost town, especially right now. 
Uh, it is the off seasons. I mean, this is not this is not Vegas where you do get the kind of year round good weather. So you know, you've got these casinos, you've got these resorts, you've got these restaurants, and you know, in a lot of people's eyes, it is kind of like Vegas, but you don't get the luxury of being year round. So that's a that's a huge hard part about you know Atlantic City being big and thriving and all that. The other part is, and and I, I imagine it probably has a lot to do with the fact that it is a regional destination. But it's hard to get here. It is not easy to get here. Um, I, you know, I've I've been out here. God, man, I think the first time I came out here, if I remember right, uh, that may not be right. But I, a couple of times, I, I, one of the early times I remember coming out here was doing a uh, commentary of an M1 Global event with Mike Straga. Man, that's been a while. Uh, we were at the Tropicana. God, I forgot. That's been a while, man. Did that? I don't. I can't even remember how long ago that was. Uh, then I remember being out here with Dan Stupp back when Dan Stupp used to travel for an Elite XC event, and then I believe we caught a Ring of Combat event at the time. So a couple, couple. It's been a while. So we've been coming out here for a while. I don't come out here a lot. I don't know the East Coast a lot, but those are some of the early memories I have. And, and it was a little bit more happening then i guess and uh of course a couple years ago we were here at the revel uh for the cowboy and jim miller fight uh and the revel is actually closed right now it's reopening in a couple of weeks so bottom line it's 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 had its ups and downs especially in in recent years and and it's 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 not hard to research it's financially struggling out here um but here's what it boils down to is that it's not easy to get to i think that's a huge problem for it so there is, believe it or not, I was told one direct flight a day, I think, from uh, Vegas to – there is an Atlantic City airport. It's a very small airport, but it's, it's not that far away. Uh, but it's on Spirit Airlines, and yeah, not – I mean, maybe I'm a little bit bougie when it comes to air travel. <laughs> I will say American Airlines and One World treats me pretty good. Uh, but yeah, the Spirit Airlines, I don't think anybody took that flight. So from Vegas, what you have to do, what most everybody did – uh, was fly to Philadelphia. So you fly to Philadelphia and you land in Philadelphia, and then you still have like an hour and uh, an hour and fifteen minutes, maybe or so, uh, more or less, once you get into a car. Now, if you've got to rent a car, that adds time, all that. So it's just not easy to get here. Uh, but I actually came in early. I found a uh, a cheaper flight. If I came in, I took a, I took a red eye on Tuesday morning. I, I flew out at one fifteen in the morning. I landed. I want to say a little after nine a.m. Uh, here in uh, in Philadelphia, and then knew I had to drive to Atlantic City, but I didn't have anything to do on Tuesday. So what I did was I decided, you know what? Uh, I, I looked at renting a car, but renting a car was going to be like two hundred fifty, three hundred bucks, and I don't really need a car. Like since I've been here, I haven't left the hotel. I haven't left the property. I'm actually staying uh, at Bally's, which is the host hotel. So I haven't left except to go um, to the open workouts the other day, which there was a shuttle over there. So I didn't really need a car. And then you got to pay for parking. So I thought, well. I'll just take an Uber. Well, an Uber from Philadelphia to Atlantic City is about $150 one way. So now you're talking about 300 bucks round trip Uber. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot to pay. So I thought, well, listen, I'm not in a big rush. So let me, let me do the company solid. I will jump on a train. I, I knew there was a train. I had, I, had, I had heard before there was a train. I'd never taken it before, but I'd heard there was a train that goes from Philadelphia to Atlantic City, right on the edge of Atlantic City. And then, of course, from there you can take an Uber or a taxi or whatever. It's going to cost you a couple bucks. So I said, well, I'll, I'll do that. And I priced it out, and the, 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 the train ride was going to be $19. From Philadelphia to Atlantic City, $19. 
Then you take like a $5 Uber. Damn, just saved $125 for the company. Because I'm a company guy. That's what I'm trying to do, right? Okay, so I land. I took the red eye. I didn't sleep that well uh, on the way. So I'm a little bit tired, but whatever. It is what it is. Once I get checked in, I'll get some sleep. So get on the train. You take the train from the uh, uh, Philadelphia airport to the 30th Street station. So you kind of go into downtown Philadelphia, basically, um, to kind of this old big station. You see a little bit of the the train tracks along the way. Then you get there. And uh, once you get in, then you got to go find the Atlantic, the, the train that's going to Atlantic City. So I run in. I'm like, hey, where'd I go to Atlantic City? They point me in the right direction. You got to go buy a ticket over here, and then it's Platform 10. Like, cool. All right. So I ran over to go buy the ticket, and they're like, oh, Platform 10, go right now. Go right now. It's, it's about to take off. I'm like, oh, look at the luck. I don't know how often this train runs, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting off the train, and I'm jumping right on the other train. So I jump on the other train, and uh, sure enough, I'm sitting there like maybe three minutes total, and then the train takes off. And I'm like, man, can't believe I didn't do this every time. Every time I've been to Atlantic City, I've taken a car, I've rented a car, you know, I've done ground transportation. Why didn't I just do this damn train? So we start chugging along on the train. And after about 15 minutes or so on this train, and it's supposed to take about an hour, about an hour and 15 minutes or so, which is, I mean, it's not a fast train. We're not talking about a bullet train in Japan. We're talking about, you know, an old train that's kind of going through residential neighborhoods where it's take about an hour and 15 minutes i'm like whatever right i'll just bust out my laptop i'll answer some emails i'll get some work done who cares right i I can kill time but about 15 minutes in about 15 minutes in they say hey uh by the way and and it's you know it's it's the it's the train i mean this is an old train and it's the conductor voice that doesn't really care about communicating to like 17 people that are on the train so it's it's not exactly the clearest message ever but it's basically like, it's going to one take five fifth of four. I sounded like I was trying to do some ridiculous foreign language. I wasn't, but it was it was muffled like that. Is the point that I'm getting at? You see what I'm saying? But what I gathered is like, hold on, this train, which is the direct line to Atlantic City, is not going to go all the way to Atlantic City, and I, I, so they repeat it. They repeat it, and I listen in a little bit. Uh, to, to that, that we're going. Man, I'm terrible. I'm not even going to try to do that anymore. It, it sounds like I'm doing a horrible trying to forward language voice. But basically what it boiled down to was we were going to get to a station, and at that station we were going to have to get off the station and jump on a bus to take the bus the rest of the way to Atlantic City. Now, I'm trying to save money. I'm trying to do the right thing, right? I mean, I'm, you guys know, cold coffee's not here with me because we're cutting back on on travel. Fine. We're, we're we're watching every dollar. We're pinching pennies, man. We're pinching pennies. I'm trying to I'm trying to do my part. I'm trying to do my part. So I said, all right. Well, again, I got nothing to do on Tuesday. My whole plan was to get in, kind of settle in, put my notes together for my interview. I always do like to have notes for my interviews. Um, you know, just kind of remind yourself of anything. So I was, I, you know, I just planned on coming in, getting my research done, all that. So no, but I'll, all right, I'll jump on this bus. I'll jump on this bus. So we're still chugging along, getting to the station where we're going to stop. And finally, uh, I, the conductor walks through, or at least the train collector guy. I don't know if that's technically the conductor, but he's checking tickets, right? And I'm like, hey, by the way, you, you said in that very clearly enunciated uh, message earlier, 
that we were going to have to take the 554 bus from this station to Atlantic City. Is that right? And he said, yeah, that's right. That's right. I said, okay. How long does that take? And he was like, forever. And I was like, okay. Uh, you can't even like look at me with a straight face and say, I was like, all right, well, when you say forever, how long are you talking? He was like, ah, like an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I jumped on a train that was supposed to take an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm going to get about 30 minutes into the journey. And now you're going to throw me in a bus that's going to take an hour and a half to two hours? Because apparently this bus is not a direct bus. It's just a local bus that stops at, like, you know, all these little stations. And I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. So I, I was like, I'm just going to see what an Uber costs. What does an Uber cost from uh, this station uh, to, to, to Atlantic City? I pulled it up. It was about $75. Uh, now, the only bad thing is I suddenly remember at this point in Brooklyn – uh, my credit card, my corporate credit card was shut down while I was in Brooklyn. And fortunately, thank God, they reopened it because I don't know how the hell I would have paid for uh, hotel rooms in New York out of my pocket because that ain't happened. I had mine and Cold Coffee's rooms on there. And, uh, yeah, bro, journalist, check the check, son. Check the check. So I was not going to be able to pay for two weeks of hotel rooms. I, so, anyway, fortunately, they reopened it. But for whatever reason, Uber hadn't actually – uh, they, it was still seeing my card is closed, and I'd been trying to deal with Uber. By the way, have you ever tried to find a phone number for customer service for Uber? It doesn't exist. Like, I love Uber. I'm an I'm a Uber fan. But try to get a customer service person on the phone. Try. Try and report back to me. All right, so i, I got to make a decision at this point. I, I mean, I can't go out of pocket. I mean, I can go out of pocket 75 bucks and get reimbursed later, but – but I didn't want to do that. So, so now I downloaded Lyft for the first time. So I downloaded the app at Lyft. Turns out Lyft was only going to be 65 and it did recognize my new credit card. So I took a Lyft from that station. So the way I got to Atlantic City from Las Vegas is a flight to Philadelphia, a train into Philadelphia, a train to a bus station, and then a Lyft from the bus station to Atlantic City. My point is, it's not easy to get here. It's not easy to get here. All right? If they would make it easier to get here, here's what they need. Here's what I think they need. What they need is you land in Philadelphia, you take a train, but that train is owned by the hotels. It's a direct train. It goes fast. While you're on there, you grab a cocktail or two. Uh, there's computers on there that check you into your room so that when you arrive, you've already got a room key or at the very least you're on the waiting list and they've already got your credit card and your phone number and your information and all that. That way you can just go, start having a good time. You have a cocktail on the way. And then you just, you know, check in with it. Just a thought. Just a thought. So that's Atlantic City. That's what it is. You might say, what the hell is the USC doing here in Atlantic City? So I'll be honest. I had kind of not – we had been so tied up in Brooklyn and then Glendale and then this. It had kind of flown under my radar, too, that this was Boardwalk Hall. Boardwalk Hall is, a, is, an, is an old venue, right? It's a, it's a historic venue, especially from a boxing perspective. Um, but this is not the Revel. This is not – uh, any of the, the the modern hotels. This is the old Boardwalk Hall. What is what is what is Boardwalk Hall recalled? Does anybody does anybody think about that? Anybody test your uh, test your UFC history? Huh? How about all the way back in 2003? 
That was the first time a UFC was at Boardwalk Hall. UFC 41, which is kind of cool considering this is the 25th anniversary year, right? I mean, the UFC is trumping up the, 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 the 25th anniversary year, and, it's, and now they're back in Boardwalk Hall, but they didn't really sell any of that. They didn't really sell any of that. I think they missed – I mean, I think they get just as busy as we do, and they just didn't think about it, but uh, they could have hyped that up, like, hey, we're visiting this historic venue. But basically my understanding is uh, the, the city of Atlantic City, or maybe it's the state of New Jersey, I'm not sure, but they're investing money in acts, you know, in, in entertainment, basically. They're helping subsidize the hotels and everything here. Basically, they're, they're trying to reinvent everything here and try to try to revitalize, I guess. And, and I think the UFC was identified as part of that, and they were given some money. They were given a little grant uh, from, the, from the, the local area to, hey, come hold your event here and, and uh, you know, help us revitalize the area, show that it's still a major entertainment destination. So that's why the UFC is here. It does sound like ticket sales are doing pretty good. Walked through Boardwalk Hall the other day. It's an old venue, uh, but it is, it is pretty cool. Uh, and, and, and talking to some of the guys here, you know, that are from the New Jersey area, you know, they grew up, you know, watching wrestling matches here, watching fights here, uh, you know, watching you know Gotti fight here I mean it's pretty cool stuff so uh, it is cool but it sounds like they, they've got a scale for maybe 11,000 seats or so um, probably going to be a sellout by the time things happen ticket, ticket sales are going pretty well so that's kind of what's going on here uh, I will say before we get into, <laughs> into the fights themselves let me just tell you about my first night by the way so we go through all that we get settled uh, I do a little work everything's good and then uh, finally go lay down to get some sleep and, uh, I, you know, I had taken some naps in the afternoon, a little quick naps, a little power naps in the afternoon because it was, you know, one of those days. Finally laid down to sleep about 1.30. And then at 3.30, I, I, I hear this. Run to the nearest exit and leave the building. It's funny, you, you hear that go off and you think, ah, oh, come on, it's nothing, right? False alarm, false alarm. But it kept going off. It kept going off for several minutes. And I kept hearing people get out. Of, you know, it was 3.30 in the morning. I hear people leaving their hotel rooms. I'm like, maybe I, I mean, maybe I should go check this out. So I, I get out, put my clothes on, you know, get put, put my jacket on because it's kind of chilly here. Shoes in case we do have to go outside, you know. Get fully dressed, not just like pajamas down there or whatever get down there and as soon as I, I i get out i don't go down the elevator i go down the stairs i'm on the fourth floor so it's not you know not that many stairs down and when i get down there i i see a couple of uh people that are dressed in in uh, like like the yellow police vest type things you know the emergency vest type thing and they're talking to some people in front of me some older folks because there are some elderly folks here in the atlantic city area and, you know, I hear them telling them, like, ah, it's a false alarm. Sorry. There's nothing going on. You can go back to your rooms. And, and, and so I hear that. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So I turn around, walk back up the stairs. 
uh, go go into my room. As I'm walking down the hall, I see a USC production guy uh, that, that that we work with quite often. He's like, oh, he's like, funny seeing you. He's like, uh, you, are you walking out or what? And I'm like, bro, don't even worry about it. I just went down there. It's a false alarm. Uh, it's, it's good. You're, you're good. Go back to your bed. They said it's no big deal. Uh, he's like, oh, cool, man. I am so glad I ran into you. Now I don't even have to go downstairs. That's what's up, bro. Thank you. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks, bro. Then I go back into my room, and the thing keeps going for like 20 minutes. And at first, it's just kind of annoying. I'm like, ah, oh, I just want to go back to sleep. But then I start having this thought like, you know, when I walked down there, I didn't really question anybody or ask anybody. Like, I mean, I heard these people that look like they were emergency people, like telling other people it's fine. But I didn't really, like, ask for a badge or uh, ask for any more specific information. In fact, I didn't even ask them the information myself. I just overheard them talking to somebody else. And I took them at their word that quick. I mean, like, if you were an arsonist uh, setting blaze to a hotel, wouldn't, like, the the gangster-level move be to stay in there afterwards and tell people, like, no, you're safe. Go back to your room. <laughs> so I got kind of nervous for a little bit. And then I thought, dude, if I have made a horrible mistake, like I've got to pay for my own horrible mistake. But now my man over here who has listened to me, who thinks that I'm a trustworthy individual, who, I mean, that's on his judgment there, but who thinks I'm a trustworthy individual has listened to me as well, and now he's going to perish along with me. And I felt kind of guilty for a while. And I almost got up and went back downstairs to re-verify everything. But, I mean, we are talking about like four flights of stairs. <laughs> uh, so, eventually, uh, the alarm went off. So, yeah. Atlantic City. <laughs> all right. All that said, we got a pretty damn good fight card to look at, right? Uh, I'm excited about this card. I really am. Uh, I do think that uh, the main event is a fantastic one. Edson Barbosa versus Kevin Lee in the main event. Um, it, it means a lot in the lightweight division. I, I do think, and both guys have been saying, listen, I'd, I'd like a shot at the at the belt. I'd like to maybe mean something. Of course, Kevin Lee would have probably the inside track if he won, and, and he won impressively, at least over Barbosa. Barbosa, of course, lost to Nurmagomedov Madoff pretty handily recently. Uh, so you have a hard time thinking that if he won, he'd have a case. But Kevin Lee, marketable guy. Uh, was already in, you know, booked in for a title fight anyway. Uh, you know, likes to talk. I mean, he'd at least be in there. Still think Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez is right there. He's got a good case, and I really do feel like Dustin Poirier has a good case. So it's going to be a stretch, but nonetheless, it's a big, big fight in, in the lightweight division. Uh, a clash of styles, all right? Edson Barbosa, of course, got dismantled by Habib Nurmagomedov. I mean, that was such an impressive performance by Nurmagomedov. And listen, I ended up in my staff pick going with Kevin Lee. I mean, I do feel like, I don't want to say that's the blueprint or there was a flaw exposed. We've always known Barbosa is an incredible striker, but if there's a weakness, it's the wrestling game. You know, Kevin, can Kevin Lee replicate that? Can he do the same thing? We'll see. I mean, he certainly has the, the, the capabilities. Kevin is, is uh, I will say it's refreshing this week. I mean, he of course he's, he's, he's talking a little bit, he's saying a little bit uh, of whatever. But it's not the same level that him and Tony Ferguson was at. And, and and the Tony Ferguson stuff was starting to get a little bit exhausting. I, mean, I appreciate Kevin for being the, the salesman that he is. And, again, we're, you know, we're talking about the hype era 
you know, the Conor McGregor era where this is the way you turn heads, you know, the, 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 the Chiesa fight, all the hype that was around that because of what happened between Lee and Chiesa. I mean, yes, it's there. It's there. Uh, I, I get it. But, you know, th- I, I like this buildup to this fight. I, I do because, it's to me, it's less about trash talk and disrespect and more about two guys that aren't necessarily number one contenders right now but that are certainly elite level fighters and the clash of styles the the, the old school striker versus grappler element it's there uh, of course everybody is well rounded at this point and and Edson Barbosa has made it clear listen that Habib Nurmagomedov fight pissed me off too it upset me i asked him i said listen do you at least take a little bit of solace out of it right cuz i mean when we watched that fight didn't we all just go man god habib's a monster but Edson, tough as nails. Kudo, bravo. You know, you could have given up, and, and he could have. I mean, any time, listen, at any time, there's that move where you turn over and you give up your back and you let your neck sit there and you, and you, you kind of pull away at the hands, but you go, oh, oh. The grip is just too tight. I can't do it. You know what I mean? That's like the – it's the way of tapping without tapping. And Edson could have done that at any point along the way. He never did it. You know, was pushing until the very end. And he said, listen, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not taking any moral victories. I don't feel good about that. I hate it. And I want to prove that that will never, ever, ever happen again to me. And I like that attitude. Meanwhile, Kevin Lee, I mean, I do think this guy has a huge future. I mean, I, I think Kevin Lee is going to be around for a long time. Still so young, still developing, still getting better as a fighter, um, and, and still kind of finding his role. And I think he's going to be around for a long time in big fights, and I think this is a big moment for him. You know, maybe a win here, and Kevin Lee gets either Eddie Alvarez or Dustin Poirier based on who doesn't get Habib Nurmagomedov. And again, I'm saying all this assuming that Conor McGregor is going to be out for a while. I let me just clarify that in case there's any confusion because there's no question about it. If Conor McGregor comes back, of course, Conor McGregor jumps to the top of the line right away. He is the fight. He is the biggest star in the sport. So when I say these things, I am saying I assume that Conor's going to have some legal battles that are going to keep him out for a little while. So if that is the case, then I think Kevin Lee would be you know, a, a rightful number one contender against either uh, of those guys that doesn't, that doesn't move forward, doesn't get the title shot. Kevin Lee has said, listen, you know, and, and I think it's easy to just say, hey, won't you do what Habib did? Isn't that going to be your goal? And I think, you know, you never want to tip your hand. You, you know, you want to say, ah, oh, well, yeah, but I've got a few wrinkles. I've got a few wrinkles. I've got some things I'm going to do different. I think that's, of course, that's the, you know, you never want to give away your game plan entirely. Even if we know your grappling is your, is your specialty, you never want to give it away entirely. And, of course, Kevin Lee works hard on the striking. And he's saying, listen, you know, I want to, I want to take it to him. He's basically kind of suggesting he'll stand and trade at least a little bit with Edson Barboza. Think that would be a huge mistake. Let me just say that. I think that would be a huge mistake. Yes, Kevin Lee is uh, a, a fantastic athlete, and he, he's certainly an incredible fighter, and his striking is coming along great. But Edson Barbosa is on a different level, man. Those leg kicks are nasty, and you don't want to take one of those if you don't have to. So uh, looking forward to this fight for sure. It's a big fight in lightweight division. It's crazy how many lightweight fights we've had right in a row. Uh, if you get a chance, we did put up the open workout footage the other day. There was a funny moment, really small venue. We were at Boardwalk Hall, but we were in kind of a small section of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kevin Lee did his open workout, and then he actually let first, like a little, I mean, like a little tiny kid, a little tiny kid come up and kick him in the body. And everybody kind of got a huge kick out of that. Like, oh, man, you put little, you know, you put shin guards on this kid, and you let him kick you. Like, wow, good for you. That's, that's funny, you know. And, uh, 
I was bummed because I was sitting in the back waiting for an interview, and I didn't really get to see it, but I could hear it, and I could kind of see it through the screen. But then he's like, oh, somebody else come up here. Somebody else come up here. And he picks another kid. And this is a pretty sizable kid. I mean, not an, an old kid, but he was probably, you know, 9 or 10. You know, it wasn't like a, a little tiny kid like the first one was. And we've got the video up. I put it up on, on Twitter and social media and Facebook and all that. Uh, but the the, the, the the other kid, and he gives him five kicks. He kicks him in the body five times. Like Kevin Lee just kneels down and lifts his hands over his head. He's like, kick me in the body. Kick me in the body. And this kid does it to him five times. And uh, some of them were decent. Some of them looked like they were <laughs> about to go a little bit low and, and kick him in the balls. Uh, but it was funny because you're like, oh, man, this is this is kind of cool. Kind of risky. Like what if the dude just hits it just right and cracks a rib or something? Like holy shit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It made me think. I remember, this is a while back, but if, if you guys ever saw this footage, Holly Holm did an open workout in Australia before the fight with Ronda Rousey, and she brought a fan up on stage, and she had the fan, like, punch and kick at her. And, I mean, you don't know what the fan's going to do. Like, I mean, you talk to fighters. The funny thing is about fighting people that don't know how to fight is sometimes they can catch you because they move so weird. They do stuff they're not supposed to do. Like, they don't move in the rhythm they're supposed to move in. They don't – their body doesn't do what it's supposed to do or what you can expect to do. If you've ever sparred in the gym, I mean, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Like, you, you sometimes you get caught by newcomers. That's why fighters won't spar with newcomers because, like, I don't know what to expect from you. And Holly Holm did this, and I remember, like, PR just freaking out. Can you imagine I me? Mean, what a historic night that was. Holly Holm knocked out Ronda Rousey. Can you imagine if that fight was lost uh, because some, like, <laughs> fan cut her over the eye or something? So that was kind of running through my head here with the, with, with the little kid. But it was funny. So, again, this was this was kind of a, a small <laughs> small venue. So they came back in the back, and, you know, I heard people kind of asking Kevin, like, what the hell are you thinking? And, and, you know, here's this, Kevin has just made this kid's day, right? Like, I mean, my son got to hit pads with Junior Dos Santos uh, just, you know, by chance or whatever with where he was standing at an open workout in Dallas. And, like, he still talks about it to this day. So he just made this kid's day, right? But people were asking him, what the hell? And I actually heard Kevin say, oh, I, I knew he couldn't kick. I looked at him, and I knew he couldn't kick. <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all, you don't know that, Kevin. You don't know that. But then it's kind of funny because you're kind of trash-talking the guy. <laughs> you brought the kid up there, and you made his life. And now you're like, oh, I wasn't worried, man. That kid can't kick for nothing. So <laughs> uh, fun, fun, fun main event. Uh, I'm excited for this one. Multiple interviews uh, with Edson Barbosa and Kevin Lee. Uh, listen, I've, I've talked to – we had Kevin Lee at the Performance Institute. We've got a, a long scrum uh, up on YouTube if you want to check that out. Edson Barbosa, I did a sit-down with them. Uh, where he kind of talked about a lot of these things. Then, of course, we had them both at the open workouts, and then we had them both again today uh, at a media day. So a lot of footage with, with Edson Barbosa and Kevin Lee if you want to go check it out. Uh, Co-main event, Frankie Edgar versus Cub Swanson. Listen, no way to get around this. Uh, I'm excited for this fight. Crazy. You know, I had a lot of people ask me, uh, why isn't this main event? Don't forget, the main event was already announced, okay? Uh, Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson, had this been announced first, Maybe it would have been the main event over Edson Barbosa and Kevin Lee. Maybe it would have been the main event over Edson Barbosa and Kevin Lee. I don't know. Tough to say. I mean, Frankie Yeager is a legend, and he's about an hour away from Tom's River, New Jersey, where he's from. Um, you know, I know he's coming off uh, the loss and, and all that, and, and but probably would have been the main event, yeah. Um, but not. Going to be the co-main event, and I, th I think that's okay. Um, interesting buildup for this fight from both sides, right? Frankie Yeager. Had the loss to Brian Ortega, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, everybody's questioned about it. Everybody along the way this week, you know, in the in the, in the you know interviews before here that we've been here, everybody's asking about why did you do this? Why did you know? Come on, man, come on. 
And I think it's a fair question. And he says, listen, I wasn't out. I, you know, I, my brain was fine. I'm good. I know how I feel. And I respect all that. But then add in, too, um, you know, his, his father passed away as well. <sighs> Man, his father passed away as well in, in the weeks leading up to this. Um. Man, you had that in as well. I'm, <sighs> Frankie wanted to fight New Jersey, man. It was special to him. It meant a lot to him. His kids were here at the open workouts. Man, this is this is where he's from. You know, he he uh, he remembers coming to, to Boardwalk Hall. He, he was supposed to the state tournament. He he shared with us today the state wrestling tournament for New Jersey uh, is at Boardwalk Hall every year. But the two years that he qualified. It was held somewhere else because the the place was being renovated. So like he felt like he missed out on that. You know, he said he came and watched Gotti fights uh, when he was a kid, and uh, you know he, he didn't get the opportunity to to, to fight there and and uh, to wrestle there, I should say. And so it meant something to him. He did, uh, interestingly enough, which is awesome. You know, J- Frankie Edgar and we, and we put out a piece on this, but Frankie Edgar and Jim Miller fought each other. Uh, at Boardwalk Hall. Now, it was a smaller section. It's not the main hall of Boardwalk Hall. It was a smaller, like, theater within Boardwalk Hall. Big, big venue. Um, but but they fought each other in this venue, which was awesome. There's a, there's a cool little story. Ben Folks put a cool little story together. Um, and we and we talked to both guys about it. It's, it's pretty neat to hear about it happen. So a lot of history here, man. It's a special moment. Frankie doesn't know if he'll ever get a chance to fight New Jersey again. He said, "Listen, this is going to be a great, a great, great night for me, and, I, and I'm, I'm stoked for it." But he's been through a lot, man. He's been through a lot. He had the knockout. Uh, he says it wasn't a clean knockout, but you still have to wonder. He dominated Cubs once now, but you know, then he has the 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 personal tragedy as well. And and, and you know, I just asked him, like, D- don't you feel that? Maybe there were just things telling you, like, get out, man. Frankie, this isn't right. And he said, no, man, this is this is who I am. And, you know, specifically about his father, I said, you know, he basically responded. He said, listen, if I was a plumber, I'd, I'd go to work the next day, right? Like, I don't get to just take off and not go to work because my father passes away. And, it's, man, that's why we love Frankie Edgar. He is, a, he, is a, he is a damn legend, man. He really is. But this is a scary spot. This is a scary spot. Now, if you want to counterbalance that, Cub Swanson – of course, he beat Cub before, but that was, you know, what, four years ago? Are they the same fighters? Man, both of them matures. I mean, the sport is always developing. Everybody's getting better, right? Uh, so are they the same fighters? No, of course. Neither one of them is the same fighter. You know, and if any, if either one of them shows up the exact same way they showed up that night, they're getting beat, period, because the sport's always evolving. The fighters are always evolving. But, I mean, Cub was, um, Cub, Cub was out, man. He was almost done. Uh, you know, he was he was going to go to – my understanding is, is he was going to go to the Professional Fighters League. He was in deep negotiation with them. And, I mean, million-dollar tournament? Not a bad idea, right? Not a bad idea. Go try to vie for that million real quick. But, you know, he had basically decided, yeah, I'm done. And it shocked me because, you know, when Cub admitted that, you know, his contract was over and he was going to, to renegotiate and all that stuff, um, I, I mean, of course, I thought it meant something, but I thought it was just strategic um, negotiating. That I thought he was going to be a Zufa lifer, and he said no. You know, I kind of reached that point where I had decided that that I was done, that I was out, and it, you know, it was okay with me. I was moving on to the next chapter of my life. I was thinking about family. Um, so, how much was he? How much was he really training? How much was he staying sharp? Now he says, "Listen, I'm I'm training all the time. You know, it's my it's basically training in my family, and I believe that. But there's a difference between going to the gym every day and going to the gym getting ready to fight Frankie Edgar. 
There's a difference between that. And we know that Professional Fighters League's tournament isn't starting for another couple of months, right? So how much was Cub Swanson training? I mean, you know, he's not he's not going to go drink a bunch of award-winning PBRs. <laughs> That's not him. That's not who he is as a person. But um, I don't know. So I do think there are question marks around both guys. I will say in my staff picks, I went with Cub Swanson. Um and to me, it's because the bigger question marks are around Frankie Edgar. It's just, it's scary, man. Uh, that knockout to Ortega, I know it, what Frankie says, and I'm not going to say I don't take him at his word, but I saw it. I saw it, man. He got finished. And statistics show and research shows and everything shows that, you know, your brain doesn't react good to, to, to getting banged up like that and then going out and doing it again. Um. Uh, so I don't know, man. Question marks all around, but it's intriguing. Even though it's a rematch that nobody was looking for, it's intriguing to me. It's meaningful in division. It's not going to set up anything right now because we know we got Ortega versus Holloway next, right? So we're not looking for anything right now. But it does mean a lot for two real veterans of the sport. Um, Cub says he doesn't really care about title shots anymore. He's just thinking about um, big fights, basically. The biggest fights he can get, and he's not going to worry about the title anymore. He's just trying to set up his family. One kid already, two more on the way. That's what he's thinking about. So, uh, anyway, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, didn't get a chance to speak to Frankie Edgar. I'll be honest. I tried to. You know, of course, Frankie was awesome. He talked to us his last fight out, but I was actually told that Frankie had asked, like, listen, I am jumping in on short notice. I do have a lot going on. Do me a favor. Uh, keep my keep my media schedule to a minimum. Certainly understand that and respect that. But I did sit down with Cub Swanson. I uh, had a little one-on-one with him. Of course, I saw him at the other media days as well. But this is the chance with when it was just me, him. One on one. Thought you should hear from Cub Swanson in the co-main event. It's been four months since we last saw you, but it's been a busy four months, man. Personally, professionally, a lot of things going on. So, what's what's the stretch been like for you? I mean, it's been kind of a whirlwind, you know, these last four months. But luckily, I stayed in the gym the whole time, just kind of had fun with it, you know, uh, helping out my my teammates uh, and, and my students that are, you know, pretty much like my training partners. Um, and then, you know. Got the call from the UFC and they were like, hey, you want this fight? I was like, let me talk to my coaches and, you know, talk to my conditioning coach. And it's like, hey, you think we could, you know, make this happen in, in pretty much five weeks? And they're like, yeah, if we do everything possible, you can do it, no problem. So I put in that work. So like I say, it's been a whirlwind because it's no days off. I just, I grinded for five weeks. It's crazy. It's funny because you almost didn't even get to this point, right? I mean, you, you, you were negotiating your contract. That was public knowledge. And I, man, I always thought you were like a Zufa lifer, man. I'm like, this guy is going to be yeah. here forever. You know, maybe he'll negotiate a little bit, but come on, he's going to stay here. But it sounds like you were really on the verge of yeah. maybe leaving. So what was that like for you? I mean, was that... Is that like a different mindset because now you got a family and you got, I mean, what, what was that thought process like? Well, you know, I was the kind of guy that was just like, I want to put in my dues and then, you know, ask for things after I've earned them. And so that's kind of the mind frame I was in. I was like, hey, I've been here forever. I've put in the work. Um, you know, I'm not the squeaky wheel, but, you know, take care of me, you know. And uh, my manager's always told me for, since day one that this is just a platform. You know, you got to build off that. You know, what are you going to do for retirement? Um, you know, he's a he's a doctor. He's like, I can do this till, you know, I'm 80, 90. Uh, well, you can only fight till, you know, mid to late 30s. So, um, you know, I, I've always thought about that. And I'm at a point where I'm like, hey, I just started a family. I want to make sure I'm taken care of, you know, and I'm trying to make those smart moves. 
So that's that's the mind frame that I had when I was going around asking companies, you know, what you think I'm worth, and you know, I had some really good offers. So, um, but you know, the UFC uh, made me a great offer, and um, you know, I, I decided to come back because the money was good, and uh, at the end of the day, my passion is here. So, passion and pay at the same time. That seemed like the right move. Perfect solution. You mentioned your family, one kid already, two more on the way. Yeah. Uh, how much is that changing things for you? Because, I mean, there's just the logistics of it, right? I mean, all, what, what babies do to, to, to your family, to your routine, to your life, and then I guess maybe, you know, psychologically, your mindset as well. So, I mean, how much is this rapidly developing family kind of just changing you as a person? Well, it kind of hit us by surprise. You know, no one expects twins. Um, and yeah, identical twins. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be crazy. But, uh, the first couple years, I'm expecting it to be, you know, tough. But uh, I think after that, you know, I'm gonna have three young kids that are best friends and growing up, and I'm excited for that. And I think that's the biggest thing about becoming a veteran in the sport is what you can take on, what what you can, you know, put on your back and, and push through. Um, you know, when I was coming up in the WC and early UFC uh, years for me, uh, I I couldn't. You know, didn't want to deal with anything. It's just 100% fight focus. Just the nerves and everything were just—it was a lot. And now it's, you know, the the nerves are always there, but I know how to deal with it. I know how to, you know, do all the interviews and the media obligations, and, and still take care of all the things I got to do at home. You know, the, the businesses and the and the family life. So, uh, for me, that looking back, that's all a blessing because it's just making me stronger as a person. Very cool. So. Fight deal or UFC deal gets done, right? You know, everything's good. They come to you with the name Frankie Edgar. That's the fight. I think we were all kind of scratching our heads a little bit. Like, you know, yeah. why does this fight make sense? Frankie, you know, making the quick turnaround and they've already fought before. And so, I mean, when they came to you with this fight, I mean, were you a little surprised as well? Well, I was definitely surprised. Uh, you know, I've been asked, uh, you know, about this uh, recently and I was just talking about of all the rematches I anticipated for years, it's been Aldo, Lamas, um, you know, Max. So that they're all guys that, you know, those are the guys that were on my radar. For some reason, Frankie was always just kind of on a different path, fighting different people. Um, but yeah, when his name came up, uh, it kind of startled, you know, took me by surprise. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to do that. Um, you know, I guess he just wanted to fight here back in his hometown and, you know, and, and I get it, you know, coming off a loss, you, you feel like, you know, man, I just made a mistake and I want to get back in there. I've been in that. Um, I feel like, you know, the last time I fought Frankie, I lost. I wanted to get right back in there and that was when I fought Max. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, works out for you and sometimes it doesn't. Do you let yourself, because I think as people are breaking this fight down, they're saying, Okay, well, we saw it once before, but we're talking about a Frankie that just got finished. He's jumping back in there quick. I mean, do you think about that all when you're breaking things down? And like, maybe this isn't 100% Frankie, whether it be mentally, physically, whatever. I mean, do you let yourself factor that in at all, or, or, or can you allow yourself to do that? I mean, that's for him to, to stress about. You know, for me, if I would go in there thinking that I'm going to get like a 6 out of 10 Frankie and he shows up a 10 out of 10, I'm going to get beat up. So that would be dumb of me. Um, I, I can only, in my mind, think that it was a fluke or that, uh, you know, that it was just one of those fights he got lucky uh, and that the best Frankie Edgar is going to show up. You know, I got to go in there with that mentality, so I am. 
three straight fight of the nights for you. Uh, you know, I, I wonder. You know, now you got this family, right? You're you're, you're talking long term. You're thinking about future. You know. Um, does your fighting style change at all? Does your goal change at all? I mean, are you thinking about preserving yourself a little bit more or, or do you still, you know, as a fighter, do you, do you have to separate yourself from that when you get in there? You know, when I go in there, I just fight my fight, you know, and it, it's hard to be anything different. Um, you know, I think that all my decisions uh, when it comes to my family and things like that come in my off time and when I'm not caught up in the, in the moment of the fight and all that stuff, so. You know, that's when I have the clearest head is, is between fights and, and the emotions aren't in it. So uh, when I'm in there, I'm, you know, I always, uh, I, I've told some of my students this, I, I literally look in the mirror, and, you know, and look at myself and, and make sure I'm in the zone and tell my, myself, hey, suck it up. It's time to do the big boy things. You had that loss to Ortega and it was, it was like a setback, right? I mean, but then he comes out and you, and you look at what he's done now yeah. since, I mean, you know, picking up the win over Frankie, then, you know, turns out he's in the mix to maybe fight Habib. So did that change things a little bit? I mean, it seemed like a big setback at the time. And now you look at it, you're like, well, that guy's at least the number one contender, if not maybe a future champion. I mean, does it feel like less of a setback now? Uh, I, I do. I think, uh, you know, more in like fans eyes, you know, uh, I felt like I was dominating that fight. I felt like I made a mistake, a stupid mistake. And uh, it comes with my risky style. And, uh, you know, but then after him and Frankie fought and he won, I think fans, you know, they, they changed their mind and, and it just made it, you know, not as big of a deal. And fans were like, well, Cub was, was handing it to him. And so, um, yeah, definitely, you know, changed things. But, uh, you know, for me, I guess it gave like a new life. And, and then that with the UFC's offer, um, it, like I said, I didn't expect to come back. No, I really didn't, and here I am. So I'm excited. To say this, I mean, the goals now, like you said, I mean, you were so close to being away, and now you're here. It, it, this is a fight that nobody saw coming together, nobody expected, and yet it almost feels like I don't say not necessarily number one contender fight, but 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 pretty close to it, right? I mean, the winner of this fight is still in a, a pretty nice position in the division. I definitely think that the winner of this is in a good position, um, but just you know, in, in saying all that. The way I'm gonna go from from here on out is I'm just I owe the fi the fans uh, great fights. That's what I want to do, and uh, that's all I'm focused on. So one fight at a time, great fights. Uh, really not focused on the belt title shot. I honestly don't even care. Um, just the best guys, you know, any up and comer. I've been getting called out by all kinds of guys. I, they always think I'm the guy to call out, and uh, there's tons of rematches I want. Those are all the fights I, I want to do, you know. You never know how long I'm going I'm to do this, so I just focus on one fight at a time. The belt, if it comes, any of that comes, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll take it, but I'm not going to be asking for it. All right, so this will be a big fight, obviously. This counts as one of those. Uh, give me an idea how you see this thing playing out. I mean, three rounds, does that change anything? I mean, are you expecting a back-and-forth war? Do you think you can go dominate? What, what do you expect in this fight? My plan is to dominate. You know, I know what he does. I understand his game. Uh, I've had, uh, you know, 30 hour or 30,000 hours since uh, we fought. So, uh, you know, I've had plenty of time to figure out his game. And, and I feel like with all the guys around me, um, you know, Juan Archuleta, TJ Dillashaw, both good wrestlers, um, you know, help me kind of understand what he's doing in there. I think the first time when I fought him, I didn't really understand his game. 
uh, even the way he strikes to set up his wrestling and all that. So I feel like I understand him and I, and I know how to pick him apart. And I feel like it's a huge chance for me to dominate and just show my progression. Right, so Cub Swanson there, ah, you know, had started a new phase of his career. Now he's back to where he began. Uh, this is an interesting fight with Frankie Edgar. Uh, those top two, man, the top two fights on here, I think, are, are, are fantastic fights. Chase Sherman versus Justin Willis, the heavyweights uh, in the third fight. I like where they put this. You know, Chase Sherman, a guy that um, has had some mixed results. He came up short in China in, in November. Meanwhile, Justin Willis is uh, an AKA guy that has been a little slow um, to, to get his career started. He's a guy that his name was kind of there behind the scenes for a little while, and he's finally starting to get his career rolling a little bit. Both interesting characters. Chase Sherman, um, you know, the social media presence certainly has gotten himself pretty well known. Justin Willis, interesting interview. If, if you get a chance, go check out the interview on YouTube uh, that we did at first. It was my first interview of the day on Wednesday. Of course, this was after uh, the, the the night before with the fire alarm and all that. And uh, I don't think I was performing at my best. And Justin Williams kind of an, an interesting cat, uh, to say the least. I don't think I handled it right. So I look forward to talking to Justin Williams again at some point because I think I kind of sucked at the start of the interview. But he's kind of an interesting cat as well. And it was kind of a – it was it was an interesting conversation, so uh, definitely check that out. But this is a, a big heavyweight fight. Both these guys kind of want to be part of that that new breed in the heavyweight division. There's so many guys that are going to be exiting that heavyweight division very soon, uh, so there's always space for a few new names. David Branch versus Tiago Maheta Santos. Uh, man, big fight here in the, in the middleweight division. David Branch, intense, fired up. Uh, again, maybe go check out his interview as well. We had a scrum with him today. Uh, menacing almost, you know, uh, talking about how the, the 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 loss that he had to to Luke Rockhold was good for him. He said things had started to go a little bit Hollywood for him. He said his career started to go off the rails a little bit. Um, had basically just kind of not been committing the way he had been committing before, not doing things the way he had done them before. The intensity he brought is something serious, man. Definitely worth uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, you know said the winning streak basically caused him to kind of get away from from what he was doing and he's done with that you know he's like i gotta get back to being me i gotta get back to being real so um some real intensity there but tiago santos man that dude's scary i haven't seen him this week crazy i, I haven't seen him uh staying at the host hotel they usually kind of cross paths uh i haven't seen him but that's a that's a big dude that's gonna be a good fight brett johns versus al jermaine sterling uh talked to both these guys as well uh, check out the interviews on uh, on the MMA Junkie YouTube or on MMA Junkie as well. Uh, Brett Johns at 15-0, uh, a Welshman, uh, kind of carrying the flag for for Wales. Says, listen, he wants to be the reason that a, that a UFC event comes to Wales. It's the last of, of the UK properties to, to not get it. You know, it's it's been to England, of course, many times. You know, it's been to Scotland. It's been it's been everywhere else. You know, Ireland, Northern Ireland. I, I know those aren't all the UK. I, I get. Listen, I'm not gonna lie. The United Kingdom, Great Britain, it, it screws me up a little bit. But I'm just saying, he he wants the, the USC to come over there, and he wants to be the reason to do it. And, and he's, man, what what an honest guy he is. Great interviews with him as well, just saying, listen, man, I, I, I didn't know what I was capable of in the sport, but, you know, I, I continue to impress myself, and I continue to move the bar even higher. And, you know, now I'm shooting for the very, very top. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. Meanwhile, Aljamain Sterling. 
Aljamain's a fun guy to talk to as well, man. Just, 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 you know, wears his heart on his sleeve. We'll always be honest with you. And uh, Aljamain is as talented as they come, but has made some mistakes along the way. Has made some mistakes. Hasn't necessarily always lived up to the expectations. One of those guys who was killing it on the regional stage up here in New Jersey and Atlantic City, uh, but, but you know, has, has fallen short a couple times along the way. And I, I think this is a huge fight for both these guys, and I am incredibly intrigued by this fight. Dan Hooker versus Jim Miller rounds out the main card. Dan Hooker, you know, big fan of Dan Hooker at the Roadshow, man. He's a, he's, he's a fight fan through and through. Uh, loves the sport, loves breaking it down, loves talking about it, um, and, and uh, just always has a great attitude, a good, a good dude to, to shoot the shit with. And then, of course, Jim Miller. I mean, they don't come more blue-collar. They don't come more New Jersey than Jim Miller, and it's cool to catch up with him. Extended scrum. If you go on the, the MMA Junkie YouTube channel, uh, I'll, the longest scrum we did all week uh, was with Jim Miller because the local media is here. There's, there's no traveling media uh, other than myself here, so it's it's just me and the local media here. And, of course, Jim Miller being the New Jersey guy and being the legend that he is, uh, they gave him a lot of love. So was pretty cool stuff there. And of course, he, he did relive the uh, the fight with Frankie Edgar, kind of what his career was like at that point. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. Preliminary card, Alex Garcia versus Ryan LaFlair. Uh, see, Alex Garcia always always uh, got a smile on his face. He's a tough, scary dude. Meanwhile, Ryan LaFlair, um, a guy that I think is perennially underrated. Incredibly skilled, but he struggled to get – momentum going in his career you know injuries and other things like that have struggled uh, forced him to struggle to get things going uh, he had a great interview today where it's kind of funny you know he hasn't fought since the summer of last year and he said listen I actually took time off because I wanted to take some time I wanted to get hungry again I wanted to want this like I don't I don't do this just to fight I don't want to go out there and just have a fight you know like no 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 no, no. I want to go out there and this be everything to me and he's like I found that hunger again I'm excited about it so uh, a good fight there Alex Garcia is dangerous um, but he struggles with cardio sometimes. He struggles late, you know, and, and Ryan LaFleur is, is certainly a guy that if he's firing on all cylinders can can grind you and can and, and can push the pace the whole time. So that's an interesting fight. Magomed Bibulata versus Oka Sasaki. Uh, I, I love this fight as well. Um, I, I'm a, I love the lighter weight classes. I get it, man. Some people might not care, but uh, Bibulatov, you know, had the undefeated record forever. Meanwhile, Sasaki uh, is uh, – a really talented guy that I've always, you know, hasn't always got the results, but stylistically, uh, man, he's tr he's trouble. He's so long for the division. He's big, rangy. Um, I think that's going to be a, a fun fight there as well. C.R. Bajardizada versus Luan Chagas. Those guys have flown under the radar. Corey Anderson versus Patrick Cummins. Got a chance to talk to Corey Anderson. Uh, man, I hope I get a chance. I'm going to try to put this out tomorrow. But I, I love Corey Anderson has the greatest attitude, man. One of the most positive people. First of all, I've just I, – I, every conversation I've ever had with Corey Anderson, I, I've enjoyed, man. I, I think he is one of the most positive uh, people that you'll ever meet. And, and hearing him talk about the support that he gets from his wife is awesome and, and all this. But uh, he he kind of talked about how fast the, the rise was for him in MMA and how, you know, as he developed in the ranks, he picked up a couple of losses. And his wife, who had fought before – actually like pointed out some technical issues that he had in the striking department. He's like, listen, I never even really took striking classes. I went straight from the wrestling room to MMA training. And I never really took the basics. And so that, you know, he kind of has taken the last six months or so to go through the basics and, and start out as a white belt, so to speak, and, 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 and go through that. And it was amazing to hear him talk about that because to be at the USC level and to admit that, man, I didn't know what I was doing and I had to start over. I thought that was really cool. And I asked him, you know, was it difficult for him to be humble? And he had the greatest, you know, 
little story about his father, about how his father raised him. And I love it because uh, it's so true, man. I, and I honestly believe this. I think it's so true, and I thought it was so cool to hear that, you know, his father raised him to be humble. And even when he, when he won the Ultimate Fighter, his father told him, like, hey, don't get full of yourself right now. You know, appreciate who you are, amazing what you're accomplishing. You know, not beating the guy down, but just saying, don't forget where you came from. You know, those same people you passed on the way up are going to be the same people you passed on the way back down. And I, I, I mean, oh, man, valuable lessons, man, valuable information. I love hearing fatherly advice. You know, being a, being a dad myself, you know, those are the type of lessons that I want to instill in my son. And to hear Corey Anderson talk about it was awesome. You know, I mean, pieces of advice from, I mean, my dad, I remember my dad, you know, for, you know, for his faults and whatever along the way, I, the one piece of advice, you know, that he always gave to me is like, I don't, I don't care what you do as you know, for a living, who, what you decide to be, but just make sure you're the best at it. You know, if you want to be a window washer, be a window washer, but he's like, be the best damn window washer there is. And that always stuck with me. You know, and now I'm a workaholic because of <laughs> so it's probably my dad's fault. But I love little pieces of fatherly advice to me that are valuable lessons, and I, I thought that was beautiful. Meanwhile, he's fighting Patrick Cummins, who how do you not love Patrick Cummins? He comes in sporting the mustache today, you know, having fun with that, and and telling the story about you know his, his staff infection. You know, he had staff twice last year and um, caused him issues, and how he got through that. Um, you know, so a fight that's kind of early on the prelims that I'll that I'll definitely be paying attention to as well. Uh, on Fight Pass, Aspen Ladd versus Leslie Smith. Fun watching Aspen Ladd. I mean, she's so young. I think 23 years old, undefeated, all the confidence in the world. Um, you know, fun to interview her because she doesn't talk. She does not give you long answers. She gives you good answers, but they're not long answers. So you better be ready for that. Meanwhile, Leslie Smith actually talked to Leslie Smith for half an hour in her room the other day um, about Project Spearhead and about the unionization efforts and, and all that with fighters. Uh, just like Cajun Johnson, you know, I, I I told them both, I apologize to you that I'm bothering you on fight week. I know you're trying to get your head right, your body right, um, but I know these are causes that mean a lot to you, so thank you for, for letting me uh, talk to you about it. And uh, Leslie was fantastic, man. She's so well-spoken about it. I mean, listen. When you get a chance, check out the full 30-minute interview. I mean, I could, I could play it here, but uh, – you know, I, I just encourage you to go to YouTube and check it out. I, I don't want to make you sit through 30 minutes if you don't want to hear it. But if you do want to hear it, go hear it. Go listen to it because I, I, I'm not, you know, I've never been a part of a union. I've never been, I, so I don't, I can't speak on this like with any type of level of expertise or anything like that. But damn it, it just seems to make sense, right? Like, why shouldn't fighters be unionized? So why is there not one voice where everybody can speak together and at least, you know, have some have some representation I guess or how I mean I guess that's the point of a manager but man fighting the battles over and over and over and I don't know man you know it's, it's like these things of when fights get called off and you know do you get your show money and your win money or just your show money or how does that work like that's never going to be uniform unless it's collectively bargained somehow and I, I feel like the, I just I just feel like it makes sense like it should happen I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I granted, I understand unions and associations, and organizations aren't perfect, man. I'm sure there's, there's problems too, and I'm sure there's reasons. You know, the UFC hasn't. I mean, of course, the UFC. I mean, nobody's gonna like tell their employees to, hey, why don't you guys get together and try to come at me? You know what I mean? Nobody's gonna want that. Um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like these inconsistencies that that we see over and over on a weekly basis, where we're like, man, that needs to be fixed. Well. The, <laughs> 
It's not going to get fixed by us talking about it on a podcast while we're drinking an award-winning Pass Blue Ribbon. You know what I'm saying? It's going gonna, it's gonna to get fixed because people take action. And I think, you know, it just seems to me to, to, to make some sense. So uh, maybe there's a drawback that I'm not getting, and, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm cool hearing about it. I'm totally cool hearing about it. But I, I don't know, just sitting there and talking to Leslie Smith, I thought, yeah, why doesn't everybody just sign these damn cards and just find out, you know, find out if they are employees or, or contract laborers or whatever. So, I don't know. Marab Devalishvili versus Ricky Simon. Tony Martin versus Kita Nakamura rounding out the fight pass prelims. It's going to be a fun card. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward, hopefully, to doing an and a half. I shouldn't promise because I damn basically promised it last week and that didn't happen and I felt horrible. But, you know, things were bad. But I'm planning on doing it. I may... Uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, it's going to be a late night, but that doesn't bother me. I don't care. And I got to know. Just hit me up. Let me, just hit me up on Twitter and make sure. Because here's, here's an episode where I've talked the whole time, and sometimes I wonder, like, that has got to be boring as shit. You got to get tired of me. So hopefully you don't get sick of me. If you if you want to, we'll do it because there, there ain't a lot of media here. I can't, unfortunately, go grab. Some, I could go grab Fiasco Jones, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm not as quick to control the volume sometimes. I don't know if that's the best idea. But anyway, all right, listen. Uh, yes, thank you for putting up with me. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, what we did this evening and the, the, the journey to Atlantic City. Uh, weigh-ins in the morning. We've got official weigh-ins, ceremony weigh-ins. Of course, we'll have it all at MMA Junkie and then USC Fight Night 128. We will have you as well. I appreciate you very much, everybody that's tuned in and watched our coverage because I feel like I'm on an island out here all by myself. And, of course, everybody that is hearing this, thanks for listening.